You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. It wasn't Jesus' regular responsibility to wash feet. And it's safe to say, as I think I've already mentioned, he had never washed his disciples' feet. We have a saying where I come from, goes something like this. Boy, you're getting too big for your britches. We better be careful. And I'm speaking to myself and the word speaking to me as much as to you. That we don't become too big for our britches. Don't think of yourself more highly than you are. What do you have that you have not received? Jesus was the Son of God, yet he humbled himself and washed his disciples' feet. Peter was appalled by this. He couldn't imagine that the Lord would stoop so low as to wash their dirty feet. But that's what Jesus was all about. In today's message with Pastor Danny, you'll learn about humility and how Jesus didn't come as a mighty warrior, but as a humble servant. And if the Son of God could love God's children like that, how much more should you love his children in the same way? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of John, chapter 13, as he continues his message, The Greatest in the Kingdom. What is it exactly, specifically, even though there's all kind of applications, but what is it exactly that Jesus is pointing out here that he wants to sanctify these disciples in, to cleanse their feet so that they're not like the world? I'm convinced it's the very act he's performing. The very act of washing their feet. These guys had issues. Turn with me to Luke's gospel, chapter 22. Luke records... This event from John 13, not the foot washing, but the dinner, the final Passover meal before Jesus goes and dies on a cross for the sins of the world. And Luke chapter 22, verse 24, here's what it says. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. And if you want to know the title of the message today is simply this. Related to the kingdom, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's the greatest in the kingdom here on earth? Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves, which tells us he said this and their argument happened after he washed their feet. After he washes their feet, they argue over who's the greatest in the kingdom. And it's not the only time they did it. Mark's gospel, 
chapter 8, Jesus is beginning to tell his disciples what's going to happen after this last Passover meal at Jerusalem that he's going to be killed. Three days later, he's going to rise again. They didn't catch that. Verse 31 of Mark chapter 8, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter, here he goes again, took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. They left that place, passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They'll kill him, and after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? And they didn't know he knew. But they kept quiet. Because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Mark chapter 10, verse 32. They're on the way up to Jerusalem. Jesus leading the way. The disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and he told them what was going to happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They'll condemn him to death. We'll hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he'll rise. Then James and John, (laughs) he's telling them repeatedly what's going to happen to him. But instead of them being concerned about him, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Well, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. Let one of us be number one in the kingdom and the other number two. Besides you, of course. You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptized I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink. They would die martyrs' death and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. They were baptized by the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the 10 heard this, get this, when the 10 heard this, they became indignant with James and John. Why? Because they want those places. And Jesus called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. In other words, don't, you're not to be like that. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 18, go with me, come on. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him. And he placed the child among them and he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know what happens next chapter? Little children are coming to Jesus and the disciples begin to scatter, right, rebuke them. He rebuked, they rebuke. And he says, wait, didn't you hear? 
Let the little children come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And then one of the most humorous accounts between the disciples is John chapter 20. John's gospel chapter 20. Did you know there was an especial, there was a, there was a special kind of competition between Peter and John? The women come from the empty tomb, tell the apostles, tomb's empty. Verse 3, John 20. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. The other disciple is John. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him, behind him. You go down to verse 8. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first, three times in the passage, John wants us to know he outran Peter. You think I'm making this competition thing up? Go to John chapter 21. Jesus says to Peter, verse 18, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. That would be John following them. When Peter saw him, verse 21, he asked, Lord, what about him? You got this for me. What about him? And Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. And then a rumor started that John wouldn't die before Jesus came back again in the second coming. Who started that rumor? Peter. This is no ordinary supper for Jesus. He knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knows he's going to the cross. The old 1984 NIV has the end of verse 1, as I mentioned in the beginning. He loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. The old 1984 says he showed them the full extent of his love. Now, that used to confuse me because I thought the full extent of his love was the cross. But in the old 1984, I figured out a way to teach the full extent of his love by his act of foot washing. But now, now. I actually believe the 2011 got it more correct. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Let this sink in. What's a time in your life terribly painful, terrible needy, and you wanted somebody to to comfort and somebody to pray for you and pray with you because you're going through such an awful thing? Listen, Jesus is going to the cross. He's about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and sweat. Great drops of blood. Hematidrosis is the medical term. That's the anxiety he's in. And he tells his disciples, and especially Peter, James, and John, the three closest, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Pray with me. And he comes back, and they're sleeping. And then when he's arrested, they all flee. And he knows it's going to happen. Despite what he's going to go through, he is thinking not of himself, To the very end, he's thinking of them. He hangs from the cross, as one of our ushers said on my way into this service. He said, you know, I was thinking about this. And, you know, Jesus, even when he hangs on the cross, he says, behold your mother, behold your son, as he makes sure his mother is taken care of by John the apostle. I just can't even fathom it. And I think it's odd. Until you understand. Odd, what do you mean? John is the only gospel 
that records Jesus washing his disciples' feet. If I were putting the stories in the Gospels, I would have put this story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet in the Gospel of Mark. Why? Because the Gospel of Mark presents Jesus as the perfect servant. John presents Jesus as the Son of God and God the Son. It makes me appreciate Philippians chapter 2 even more. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or something to be grasped, held on to. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Now, I like to pause and say to you, I want to be like Jesus, but I'm not always like Jesus. I want to be like him, but I'm not always like him. Now, let me throw this at you. Jesus is the guy with all the authority. Said it in our text. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And then he takes the basin of water and he wraps the towel and he washes their feet. He said in Matthew chapter 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he washes their feet. He could have commanded any one of the apostles to wash their feet. He could have called in some other servant and had him wash their feet. The Midrash is the Hebrew exposition of the first five books of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch, books of Moses. In the Midrash, it specifies that foot washing could not be required of a Hebrew slave. Now we know why when Jesus came to wash Peter's feet, Peter objected. You're going to wash my feet? What's he saying? You're above this. You're above this. That's the same reason when Jesus began to tell his disciples what's going to happen to him, that he's going to be killed, and Peter takes him aside and rebukes him. What's he saying? You're above this. He's the guy with all the authority. Not only that, he's the guy who gets all the glory. And he deserves it. He deserves it. He prays in John 17, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And one more. You got a pretty impressive ministry. Even the teachers of the law and the Pharisees in John 12, they say, look, the whole world is going after him because so many people are following him. Now let me get personal. You know who has the most authority here in this church? You're looking at him. I'm a senior pastor. A lot of guys, I know kind of joking, but they'll say, hey, boss. Hey, boss. Suck up. I can hardly go in a restaurant. I get the look, and all of a sudden, hey, Pastor Danny. And the honor God's given me here, I don't, I don't understand it, but I mean, I, I, he's given me tremendous honor. And people look, and they say, boy, boy Calvary Chapel. Look what God's done at Calvary Chapel. But who's the greatest in the kingdom here? Might not be me. 
Did you hear what I said? Might not be me. What Jesus does at this meal, let's think about it now. I think it's safe to say he had never washed their feet before. They had never seen him. He had never washed feet before. He had taught them about serving one another, taught them about whoever's the greatest in the kingdom is a servant of all. He had taught them, but they're not getting it. And so now to leave this example that they would never forget, he stoops lower than any other Jewish person would stoop in that culture in a disobedience to even the Midrash. (laughs) And he washes their feet. And they would never forget it. Why do you do it? Come on now, let's, let's go a little deeper than the surface of the text. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. But wait a minute. I understand that. But the motive goes beyond that. I know it goes beyond that. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because, here it is, God is love. Let me show you a scripture that every time I read it blows me away. Luke's gospel, chapter 12, verse 35. Don't miss this. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning in light of his second coming. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately immediately open the door for him. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds him watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, and here's the mind blower. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Did you hear that? When he comes in his second coming, He's got a banquet for us, and he's the one serving us. The same way he washed his disciples' feet. Why? It's not just to be an example. It's not just an obedience to his heavenly Father. We know he only did what his Father wanted him to do. We understand that, but it goes deeper than that. It's his nature. It's his nature. Here's the rub. It's not my nature. And it's not yours. I want to be served. I want all the glory. I caught the touchdown pass. I caught the biggest fish. It's not my nature. But I love Second Peter 1. Through these very great and precious promises, like the one Jesus made, John 13, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed If you do them, Peter says, through these very great and precious promises, we can escape the corruption that's in the world and get this and partake in the divine nature. Wow. So who's the greatest in the kingdom here? Calvary Chapel, St. Pete. I don't know. God knows. We love because he first loved us. 
We'll never become like Jesus unless we let him wash our feet. And I'll say again, what he's looking to do by the example he sets before his disciples at this final Passover meal is to sanctify them that they'll become like him if they'll do what he tells them to do and what he gives them an example in. We had a tremendous privilege, ministered to thousands of people over the Christmas services. And after the last Christmas Eve service, uh, those of us who were a part of all four, and I appreciate all the hard work everybody did, but uh, we were just dog tired. I was worn out. Somebody said, one of the parking guys said on the way in, what are you doing here? I thought you'd take the weekend off after all that. I said, well, there's slave drivers at Calvary Chapel. But after the last service, I hung around for a few minutes and a lady came up to me, had her young son, and uh, she tells me her story. She said, I've been in this church for about four years now. I'd never met her. And she tells me, she says, when I first came to this church, I was homeless. I was homeless. And and she says, my life was just a mess. She says, God has so transformed my life. She talked about how the Word of God, and she said on the teaching of the Word, and God has used the Word to just transform her life. And you know, I'm just loving this story. She walks away after introducing me to her son, and she goes away, and, and then uh, I go and I change clothes, and I had something planned that my wife knew nothing about. Uh, we don't give each other gifts normally at Christmas. My wife said, you know, I, you know what we should give each other this Christmas? Bicycles. We don't have any bicycles anymore. We had rented bicycles in a summer trip to Colorado, and we really enjoyed it. And, and uh, I said, Wendy, you had a bike for years. You never rode it. But then I said, well, I may have to wait till uh, after Christmas to get the bikes, knowing that I'm going to go ahead and buy the bikes. I hid them in a storage room back here. And after the last service, uh, I, I went and got the bikes, and I put them on the bike carrier that somebody had given me years ago, and it was all kind of rusty and dirty now. So after doing everything, my hands were just a mess. I'm in a mess. And so I thought, I need to wash my hands. And I was right back here in this hallway, and I thought, I'll just go in the family room, restroom, and I'll wash my hands. And I come in the family room, and there's a young man there with the, uh, the cleaning cart, one of our janitorial carts. And as I went around, I said, hey, thank you for helping out or something like that. And I look around and I go in the restroom and it's, it's open and there's a lady and she's leaning down and she's got a toilet a brush in her hand. She looks up at me and she's cleaning the toilet. It's the same lady I had met the last service. She didn't say, I'll see you later. I got to go clean the toilet. I didn't know she was going to clean the toilet. It's amazing how God orchestrates things because that image of her cleaning that toilet will never leave my mind. And as I went and I prepared for this message, I kept getting these flashes of this lady who God has so transformed her life. And now she's willing to stoop for the Lord and clean toilets. She might be the greatest in the kingdom at Calvary Chapel, St. Pete. It wasn't Jesus' regular responsibility to wash feet. And it's safe to say, as I think I've already mentioned, he had never washed his disciples' feet. We have a saying where I come from. goes something like this. Boy, you're getting too big for your britches. We better be careful. And I'm speaking to myself, and the Word's speaking to me as much as to you, that we don't become too big for our britches. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. What do you have that you have not received? And if the king of glory, the one with all the authority, the one who gets all the glory, and he deserves it, pretty impressive. If he'll stoop and wash his disciples' feet.
From the Apostle Paul's conversion until his death, it was his first priority to teach and tell people about the Kingdom of God. Is this on your radar as you go about your daily life? Pastor Danny has been teaching through a series called The Kingdom of God. Now, this may seem removed from the here and now, but Pastor Danny wants you to understand how thinking about God's kingdom can affect your life right now. It also gives you a lot to look forward to in the life to come if you're a follower of Christ. Keep tuning in to this series about God's kingdom, and we hope you'll learn some great things that are revealed in God's Word. Would you be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're always in need of His guidance. So please pray that we'd recognize His voice and direction. Thanks so much for praying. Do you live in or near St. Petersburg? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us here at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church or you can join us online if you can't make it in person. Again, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again to hear more messages from this series right here on The Living Word.